Welcome back. It's part two of Early Days of Fit Solution. We have Damien and David here, long-time employees that have helped scale this business and helped it be successful and still are big contributing members. And so I'm excited to have you guys and talk a little bit about some of the successes that you guys have had and what you've seen in the business. Thanks for having yeah, us. Do it. Yeah, excited. What's the story with the lady? Well, so I guess she, you know, we, we had discussed her for a long time. Okay. We were doing our best with her, but... You know, we're high touch, so we reach out to people a lot, we call them a lot, we ask them if they're happy a lot. And from what I understand, a lot of times she wouldn't respond to us or she would say, I don't want to talk. And we didn't take it personally, we just kind yeah. of continued our normal cadence. And then eventually she offboarded with us, right? She left us and I think what she went with was a company that was, uh, in her mind, less expensive. Yeah. Right? In her mind, less expensive. And that lasted for about a year. And now we have her... Uh, we have her back on the phone. She's calling us back now. She said, for all the times that I blew you off, I didn't realize how nice it was to have an IT company call me and ask me if I was happy. And I took you for granted, and I'm sorry. <laughs> and she wants to come back. That's good. And That's good. That's great. Yeah, this is the first time we lost one like that. And got them right back. Yeah, we've had people leave and, and come back within like 30 days. Yeah, we had, a, we had a... It makes me think, I know we can't name drop right now. But you'll know who I'm talking about. Where one of our engineers, they made a mistake. They paused backups, <laughs> and we didn't. We didn't. They, they were doing some work. They paused the backups. No one caught it. We had to restore a file, and the backup hadn't been running. And they're like, "That, that's it. You guys are fired." And but they couldn't just let us go immediately because they still need to support while they found this next company found the next company and we just as a, we said hey look let's just keep servicing them as good as we can just make the last memories good, good make it graceful and and they go to this new company and they never even really offboarded. No, they, they only. Was, it, maybe a week later, she called. Like, yeah, she was like, "Never mind." She was like, "No, we're good. We're going to stay." I remember that. I remember that being. I, I was very close to that situation, and I remember thinking, as it was kind of delayed, because she says, "Okay, you know, thirty days, and we're done." That thirty-day mark hit, and she was like, "Oh, we need another thirty days," and then we needed another thirty days, and I was like, "This doesn't feel like it's going smooth." Right. Yeah, it wasn't going yeah. smooth. And, uh, I, and then she's like, you know what? Let's let's have a conversation. I just want to be sure. And obviously, we fixed a lot of processes and how we did our, our checklists and stuff like that, so so that wouldn't repeat. Um, and that was years ago. And I know for a fact she just went out to lunch with us last week. Yeah, they're still a customer, so they're still which happy. is good. Yeah, we, yeah, she's got a new AM and, and they're they're hanging out. Yeah, so. it's it's interesting what's what's going on in the economy too right now. We have we have a client that's leaving us. I'm super bummed about it. But we've had an amazing relationship with this client for a lot of years. They have a new office manager, essentially. Really nice lady. I like her a lot. But one of her tasks is to save money in the department. And so they said, hey, we have this contract with you guys. We've had it for many years. And now we want to shop it to see if it's still competitive. What can you guys do for better pricing? And then they went to some competitors. And we looked at it. There was no way we could actually go lower because it was taking us around 71 to 73 hours per month on average. And the price that they were at was already such a killer deal that we really weren't even making money. It was kind of not even in our interest to keep it, but of course we never want to lose an existing customer.
so we just we were just honest we said look we cannot cut price at all you know it's it behooves us to increase it actually anyway they found someone else that is charging two grand less and supposedly all the same offering that we're giving them. And I already know it's not possible. Yeah, it's, 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 we know the cost of the parts, right? We know the cost of labor, we know the cost of the tools. And it was already not a winning proposition at the price we had it, which was I think about $8,800 a month. And they were doing, like I said, 71 to 73 hours, plus the tools that were included in that package, there was no way. So I know, and they, and they said, you guys are amazing. Yeah, so I already know, I already said like, hey, let's go to lunch with them before we leave. Let's, let's like stay in contact with them because there's no way it's gonna go well. The, 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 I, the other company's just not gonna be able it's to. Not it's not possible. It's not possible to deliver. Listen, Applebee's serves steak. Right, you, you look at Applebee's <laughs> and you look at a Ruth Chris menu and you look at the, you can buy steak there, you can park your car there, you can get drinks there. It's on paper, we might be the same. You might be right, but the experience that you're gonna have is 100% different. And I yeah, think I like that that. that's what people don't get. I mean, even in the sales process, I remember one guy asked me, he was like, well, it sounds to me like you're trying to sell me the Bentley. And uh, he was like, but what I really want is like a reliable Honda Accord or Hyundai Accent. And I was like, all I have is Bentleys on the lot. Like, I, don't, I don't have anything else to offer you besides the absolute best that we can do. Yeah. So yeah, she might go and get like she might go and get the Applebee's yeah. or the IT support. And I'm not trying to be negative about them. They could be great, but in the long run, which what it's not going to feel the same. Um, and at some point, I have a feeling that we will be able to connect with them again. And yeah, we're good at that. Well, it's, they're going to have the same labor costs. I mean, it's pretty, you know. Yeah. It, unless the talent's way subpar. Yeah. But then it's, you know, yeah. what, they're not going to be happy. They're there's not, no way. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, there, there's a difference here. I mean, everyone, everyone wants to talk about price. And that's one thing we've learned in the training yeah. right, in the last couple of years that don't compete on price. It's come up time and time again. I was personally, I was afraid of it. Right. Yeah. I grew up the way I grew up. Price seemed like everything to me too. But now I don't even like when people say, oh, you're not the cheapest option. We say, oh, we know. <laughs> we know. <laughs> we know. We the, know. Yeah, but yeah. we are the we're the best, best price. Yeah, we're the best price. Doesn't mean we're the least expensive. Yeah, not the least expensive, yeah, but the yeah, best yeah, price yeah. because you're gonna get more out of it. Yeah, you know, than you then, would yeah. nickel and diamond in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was funny. I remember. I, what was, I don't remember the customer now, but there was a customer. We were losing money on them every single month. And in my mind, I was like, Ephraim, why don't we just tell them, like, listen, we love you guys, but if you guys don't want to pay more, this is it. But like, we have to stop. And you were like, no, we'll just keep servicing them. And you were like, no, <laughs> we just want to keep them happy. And yeah. eventually, like, I think their business ended up kind of shutting down during COVID or something. But for the longest time, I could just see your commitment to just doing a good job, no matter what it costs. Right. And I was like, dude, this doesn't make any sense. And, like, we talk amongst ourselves. Like, bro, we're just losing money. And then we come back to you, and you'd be like, yeah, doesn't matter. I just think we were in contracts. So I was taking, you know, if we have contracts, I'm like, well, Maybe, yeah. that was Maybe, my fault. Yeah. I, I mispriced it, but yeah. we should, uh, we got to honor it. You know, But if I could highlight that point about just doing what's right for the customer, because when you mentioned the offboarding, that's something that we're part of those conversations a lot of time where we're coming in and taking over for an outgoing yeah. IT company. And a lot of times they never make it easy. Oh no, they're they usually never graceful. They hold their never graceful. Like we're not, you know, not sharing yeah. anything with you guys. We're not handing yeah. anything over. But whenever we're the ones being offboarded, like 
yeah, you know, here's stuff. How yeah. can we make sure that this yeah. goes smoothly? And, and they remember that, right? 100%. So something I learned even, and this is, this is a concept when writing emails, is people don't remember. A lot of people put the real soft stuff up top and then they kind of write a harsher email. People don't remember the soft stuff. So you got to instead just go like straight to the facts and at the end put the soft stuff. Yeah. And it's the same thing people remember the last encounter. So we might have made some mistakes, but if the last encounter, the exit is super graceful and super customer service driven, they're going to remember it. And if it's bad with the new customer or the new service provider, they're going to be thinking about, man, why did we leave fit? They were so great. Even when we were leaving, they were great. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's definitely, yeah. I, yeah, I don't think anybody has truly just left and not been feeling like it was bittersweet. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we'd like to stay. Well, we've won a lot back, so that's, that's yeah. always good. Yeah, no, that's, that's and usually good. when they come back, then they're real loyal because they, yeah. they just kind of tasted what's out <laughs> there. Yeah, out there. Yeah. Other people, yeah. Uh, that's, that's, that's an interesting concept for sure. So we, when we, I'll tell you a story about core values. I always thought core values were kind of silly because organizations usually just like put them on the wall or they have some banners and stuff or it's on the website, but no one really knew what they were. They never really talked about it. So when we started Fit, we didn't have any written core values. Not to say that we didn't have values. We obviously did. We had ethical, but our approach was like, well, we're going to live the values. We're not going to really write them out. But then later on, we started reading the book Traction and the need to hire and fire on values. And then we also kind of learned the same thing for Cardinal Ventures. They were really big on car. Uh, they even took it to a whole new level. But I remember writing out the values and Joel was still with us. We were going through it. We're right, I was writing them out on an airplane. I don't even know where I was going. We were flying to a customer and I was like, okay, what are our core values? And we're thinking of like what drove us to build the business, all of that. We wrote out the core values, pretty happy with them. And I think we've only made one or two adjustments since that time to the core values. Now they're pretty much set in stone. But the interesting thing is after that, we started hiring, firing on them. And one of the biggest game changers we had with hiring our talents is having them do core value presentations. See, you guys never, you guys right. never experienced we that. We so much. We, I tell people all the time for training, like, man, we avoided so much. <laughs> yeah, none of that, you, you never did that. But, but then you also looked at the turnover rate, you know, our success rate of successful employees was so much lower. And now our success rate, in, especially when hiring, mm -hmm. is astronomically higher than it used to be. And basically people are then being asked to do core value presentations for five to seven minutes where they present to us, not what the core values are, but how they would use those core values to be successful in the job or examples where they've used core values in the past. And a lot of people, they opt out. Um, some people present, but wait, 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 they opt out of doing the presentation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They, like, they don't want to, they don't want the job no more. Cause we got to do a presentation. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Okay. And then other people they'll present, but you start to figure out, Hey, this is not the right person you want to work with. Right. And then you have the select few that just get super, I don't want to say into it, but it's like magnetism there. They want to work. They're drawn to it, and they're like, "Man, I've never experienced this at a company. These are values that 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 I believe in. I could get behind this. This is the job I want." And that those are the exact people we want. 
And what's been interesting, because I'm not even part of the hiring process so much, but the people, when they come in and I get to meet them like on all hands or in a meeting or something, I always like to ask them, hey, why did you want to work at Fit? What was it, you know, that you wanted to work here? And I would say seven or eight out of 10 will tell me it had to do something with the core values. Wow. In some aspect. Either it was, it was something about the job description and the listing of the values, or it was when I had to present on the values or something, some, some variation of that. Nice. So it's interesting, like, I mean, from your perspective, what are the people that work at Fit like now versus what it was maybe pre-pandemic? Uh, I mean, I would say we focus more on the details now. Okay. Whereas before, I think pre-pandemic, it was just get the job done whatever way you can, right? And now that there's a lot of other things that we have to keep in mind now as we get the job done, whether it be just being super attentive to like how time entries are being put in, uh, the training is, is a big part of it as well. Um, and actually, that, that's probably the biggest highlight right there, right? The training is, the fact that it even exists now is like way different than it was more off the cuff before. Now it's way more proactive. So I think that kind of tailors the type of employee that, that we have now. Yeah, now, I, I think for sure when I see, uh, and I remember clearly pre-pandemic, uh, a lot of turnover, a lot of people would come in, MSP life is hard. Right, yeah. so you get a good engineer, and he'd be here for three days, and he'd be like, "This is too hard," and you know what I mean. I'd be like, "Too hard? Like, what are you talking about?" But they hadn't really been vetted from that perspective, right? Yeah. They maybe touched on their technical knowledge, maybe they were nice enough as a person, um, but were they truly humble and adaptable? And and I do feel like we're getting teammates like that now. And I will say, as far as the culture goes, with people that we work with, this is the easiest it's ever been, uh, especially for me. You know what I mean? Like, just my coworkers were all. There's no, there's no uncomfortable moments right now, and that's been pretty, pretty standard since the pandemic. Yeah, like we've had good, good people come on board, and we like that because yeah. we don't want, like, we don't want to keep having to introduce new people. And, and no, it's rough. Yeah, so no, it's been, it's been good, and I think the, uh, I think the core values. I haven't seen a core values presentation. I, I'm gonna sit and try. To so see they present. Yeah, you should see it. It's yeah. pretty, it's pretty cool. Well, they don't get a format that follow. Right. We basically just, they know from the very beginning that there will be a presentation before hiring if they make it past their, certain point, yeah. you know, a certain right. point. And so if they make it past the, you know, cult, you know, the initial interview, they make it past the operational interview. Now we say, hey, you know, Mr. or Mrs. We're, we're really excited about moving you through the interview process as we spoke before. The next step would be a core values presentation. And... The way that this core values presentation works, it's three to seven minutes, and we would like you to present to us during that time, not necessarily what the core values are, because we know that, but how you would use the core values to be successful here, and examples of where you used it in the past, um, and we just let them go with it. Some people don't really do too much of a presentation, uh, most people do, and they'll do some kind of PowerPoint or something like that. It's pretty Might typical. Video or something. Yeah, and we don't really, obviously you're not judging it on the PowerPoint. Obviously if they put more effort into it, it reflects well on them. Right. <clears throat> but what really counts is when they start talking. I'll give you an example. So we were at a time when project manager left. They had a lot of projects. We didn't have a project manager to step in. Yeah. 
and Shane and Amy, and I don't remember who else, found this project manager that applied for the position, and they loved this guy. They were, he, he worked in MSPs before, he worked in technical fields, he was a very technical project manager with lots of projects under his belt, all the projects, you know, accreditation certifications that you would think that you would want from someone, said all the right stuff. It was kind of a shoo-in, and it was perfect timing because we were in pain. And it was right when we started doing core values. So they were like, hey, can we just hire him? And I said, no, everybody's got to do core values from now on out. Like, we're not, we're not deviating. You've got to do it. All right, so they made him do core values. And it was, I wasn't in it, but Shane was in it. And after that, Shane was like, yeah, we can't hire this guy. Oh. And the, the reason was it was the teach to promote core value. Uh-huh. And when he started like telling the story of, he gave an example at his previous job where he had this guy that wasn't really good on the team. And because he wasn't good, he helped him out. And then he eventually got promoted. But the more he talked about the story, it was like, not that he taught him anything. He would go after the guy left for home from work, do all his work for him. <laughs> I think I remember that one. <clears throat> the guy ended up getting a promotion, and the more he talked about it, the more bitter he was about it. Oh, wow. So you just kind of figured out like, so it was like complete opposite of like yeah. helping teach yeah. someone, helping them get promoted, duplicating yourself, all those things. It was, it was complete opposite. Instead, he was doing work for other people, not teaching, bitter about it and it was just like man this is not gonna work out yeah. like we already know yeah 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 and it's funny right it's funny when you know what you have and you can take a stance like that off of something that would almost seem intangible to another person right they would say wait i have all the experience or somebody maybe on the outside <clears> looking <throat> and would say hey he has all this experience he's worked in it he's technical he responds to even you know timely everything you could typically want uh but when it comes to some of those soft skills you can say, no, I don't want this person. I think that's pretty powerful because people can't do that typically when they're in pain. No. Normally they're like, you know what? I'm gonna take what I can get. Yeah. Yeah, but then you take what you can get and you end up being stuck with it. Um, and I will say that that's something that uh, we haven't, you know, we, yeah. we don't do. Well, it probably would have been worse to have a new PM. He's not working out, he's not vibing. He leaves in three to six months. Yeah. Then the clients are in the same position or. They're yeah. like, man, you got a revolving door over here. Yeah, yeah. and that, I mean, the thing is, is like in the industry, what is it like average is two years or so? Two or three years. So, yeah, it, like and I think that, I mean, <clears throat> average. We have to check with, almost 10 years, he's coming up. Yeah, in a couple of weeks. Yeah. But like we have to check with HR, but I'm pretty sure that average has been steadily increasing, right? Because like back to the point about the core values, on paper, like what you see on the resume or like the technical, you know, acting of the person, that's like the what they do. But if we go back to the golden circles that Simon Sinek talks about, the core values bring out the why and how yeah. they do it, which is just equally as important as, as the what, if not more important, right? If you're not, if the reason you do something and how you do it, the ends don't always justify the means. And, and that translates even to how we service the customer. I look back, I was so inexperienced as a leader at some points in a lot of the problems we had in the organization not a lot. They're all pretty much my fault. So <laughs> the Windsor, I take credit, but I also take credit for all the bad. I messed, up, messed it up. And I'll, <coughs> sorry. I remember that 
when we had some leadership that weren't aligned and they didn't even know like what we were really trying to do with the organization that we we're trying to scale they're like well why do you even want to grow why don't you just stay the same and this and that and it was just interesting because they didn't we weren't clear about the mission the vision of what we were going to do why we were going to do it why it was important all of those things started to come later on and Cardinal Ventures was a big part of that. They kind of pounded that into us and required that. In fact, we had some people go to the, I think it was one of the People Essentials. And I wasn't in there in that room that day, but um, Natalie said to them, hey, what are your guys' mission? And they're like, oh, we don't know. I came back, they don't know what the mission is. is it, wow. Yeah. And I was like, well, we say it sometimes, like yeah. on the whole hands, like yeah. once a quarter, like they don't know. So we had to start doing it every day. Every single day. Every yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the alignment, I mean, the alignment, it's funny, I recently got to speak at a school. Oh, yeah, I saw that. That looked cool, man. Yeah. Do you I have the full recording? I do. It's, I have, it's like it's about 35 minutes. We should, we should use that for content. We should clip that up. I can, if yeah, you I can, can get send it. some clips to you. Yeah, yeah I, I got get you. It. I got you. But one thing I told them, I told, I told them a lot about fit while I yeah. was there, right? But, um, one thing I told them, I was like, listen, if you're going to be a good leadership, you have to tell people what the mission is, what the goal is, and you got to tell them every single day. Pretty much. And I was like, and I get reminded every single day, I know what my high target is for revenue. I know what my personal goal is. I know that we're trying to help 6,000 businesses. Every single day, I hear the mission. If you don't remind people every single day, they won't. They're not going to be alive. No, they can't remember they it. They can't remember it, yeah. It's so. impossible. And, and that feeds back into, like, you know, that the conversation about alignment and you were asking how it was before the pandemic. I think before the pandemic, like, we all had to some degree an idea of, like, what it is that we did. But I distinctly remember one day, maybe even a few years before the pandemic, Joel asked, like, you know, what, what, what did you do today? Or like, and he asked that not just of the people in the room, but also of himself. Like, what did I do today? Why, right. did, I, why did I do that today? And, and so that, that intentionality really wasn't there. I think we were just kind of coming in with some general sense of what it meant to service the customer, right? But it really didn't have any lasting impact. It was just to get to the next day, yeah. right? Whereas now it's much more about laying the foundation for today, but also tomorrow so, and building on that. For sure. Yeah. No, we do know we have a plan now. So you were saying, you were telling me kind of what David's concept there, like what did you do today? You did that when you were cutting weight. You basically yeah. looked at your meal plan every day and you're like, did I hit it or did I not, <laughs> if I'm honest. Yeah. And that's a good concept on personal, professional, financial goals too. Yeah. Yeah. Did the actions, because those goals should be so big that you don't know exactly how to get there. But then the question is, did I get a little bit closer or did I just put more time between me and the goal? Like if I, if I watched a lot of Netflix, I wasn't productive, I put more time between the goal. Whereas if I, you know, did something to get me just a little bit closer, even if I don't know exactly how to get to the goal, because I've never done it before, you're getting closer every day. Yeah, every day. Yeah. Well, I will say, I mean, here, that's another topic, right? Personal, professional, financial goals. So, I mean, if we're talking about, if we're really talking about that just a little bit, um, almost outside of fit, right? I remember when you first started getting uh, in tune with Cardone Ventures and Grant Cardone in general. Yeah. And I want to say this was 2019, going into 2020, before we had any idea that the pandemic was coming. 
Um, and I told my wife many times, well, <laughs> many, many times I told my wife, I was like, listen, at some point I'm going to get into real estate. And I really had no idea how. I just said, all right, my mid-30s, I'm going to start getting into real estate. Yeah. And I remember a Sunday morning, it was like early, it was January 2020. You still remember the day? Oh, I did, because I remember, oh, like, man. Small, you know, I had just found out I was having another kid. And I remember your voice at like 6 o'clock in the morning, you had said like, well, you had invited me previously to see Grant Cardone. And I was like, well, I don't know that much about Grant Cardone. <laughs> I knew he had a big personality and I just wasn't too sure about it. And then you called me early, like 6 in the morning. Yeah, he was in San Diego. I San Diego yeah. for free. And I was like, okay, dude, like I got to just tell him no, I'm not coming. Like just the night before, I think it was when Virginia had told me that we were having another baby. Oh, man. And I woke up feeling stressed anyway. <laughs> and I was like, but I did tell him I'd go. So I was like, just got up, drove down here. And in the, the brief little two hours we were there, three hours, I don't know, yeah. he exposed some things that I had never known. And I was like, okay, wow. And from there, right, that was 2020. Yeah. From there, now uh, I, I bought an apartment building. I've invested yeah. in several buildings in San Diego. I bought a house. Uh, I'm holding it to over like a million dollars worth of real estate. And it all started right there. Yeah, that's right? awesome. And then people were like, well, what are your personal... Uh, you know, professional financial goals on all of our sales meetings every single week, I would say that, you know, I wanted to buy an apartment building yeah. in Ohio. And even one of our coworkers, Melinda, who me and her get along great, done a lot of deals together. When I finally did it, she was like, I thought you were just saying that to shut us up. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, no. I was like, no. I was like, I bought into this system. I'm doing it. You know what I mean? I'm trying. But it's just something that I don't, I don't know, you know, hopefully I would have gotten there, but I don't know outside of us, you, you know, you initiating that and us kind of like really putting our goals before ourselves every single day. I don't know. You know yeah. It, I don't know. I, I think it's, you bring up a good point. Like you went there, that one meeting, there was just one or two things that like stuck with you and yeah. you, you took action on it. And that's what I've gotten out of trainings too, like going to workshops, going to like boot camps, any, anything like that. A lot of people go because they have a bad experience or they don't maybe get that much out of one. I was like, well, you know, you're not going to get that much. You're only going to get one or two things, really. Mm -hmm. And that should be the intention. And just because you had a bad experience, are you going to stop now? Or are you going to keep trying? And so I love going to stuff like that. You just, you get exposed uh, to different people and um, makes you think bigger. It, just see what's possible. And yeah, yeah. I've, I've taken away certain things like you at different events that have made a drastic change in my life because it, you know, I took that piece of information and applied it and it gave me it success. Goes, yeah. Yeah. Have you been to a growth con before? I have not been to a growth con. I've had a lot of children in the last couple of years since you guys were going, so it's always been at a time where yeah. it's tough to leave the wife. Oh, you got, you've never been to a growth con? I haven't been. But oh, maybe, man. Maybe, you, you feel got, like you can like run through a brick wall after. Really, yeah, after bro, it's going to be yeah. life-changing. <laughs> yeah, they have the most insane guests. When is, wait, this is what? We're in September. They had Tom Brady. They have the last Tom Brady, uh, Mark Wahlberg was at the last one. Yeah. Who else? Um, they had, I forget his name, but he was um, like a high level. Stephen A. Smith. Yeah, Stephen A. Smith was there. There's been a few, yeah. Yeah, the, I remember the, the Tom Brady one. In Robert Kerchivik. Uh-huh, yeah, I've seen, okay. Meg Kelly. Maybe this time around. I can yeah, yeah. yeah. They've also had, a, yeah. I remember... They've had Floyd Mayweather. Well, you told me you met Ray Lewis. Stedman. So now I'm like. I did meet Ray Lewis. It wasn't at the growth con. I met him in person. person. Yeah, 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 <laughs> He's yeah. doing like some TEDx health thing. Yeah, it's no, pretty I cool. Need to, I need to connect there. 
But yeah, no, maybe maybe this year is my year. But I mean, just to the point, like that all it all kind of spills over. Even the sales process, I have the sales process memorized now, right? And I, you know, as I go through the fact finding, the selecting a product, the demonstration, the follow up, it works so well that when I'm doing it, I know, I know for a fact. I'm like, listen, I've done all of this correctly. If they don't want it now, I can just leave it alone and move on knowing that yeah. no stone was left unturned. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? And then people will come and even people who don't buy, me and Melinda and myself have done a couple of calls and they've been like, dude, we've been on a bunch of MSP calls and sales and we've never experienced a call like this. You guys are so in sync. And we, she and I can be arguing five minutes before the call starts, <laughs> price point or something. But, but once we get on and we're in the process, it, I mean, it's just so smooth yeah. that it's a part of, I've worked at other MSPs. You literally just go there and do IT and leave. You know, you know, it's yeah. not, it's not, a, it's just, a, it's just a job, but well, uh, it's different. That's what we need to go to that next yeah. level though. I mean, but that's why we're at almost 30 million and we're on our way to a hundred. Like you need to have that, that level of, if you want to be in the big leagues, you got to play like a pro. Yeah. You know, and we, I went to lunch. Um, we had a client, one of their developers, not even a decision maker. He's a web, uh, app, app developer there. And I had never met him. He'd only been working with our team on the, the cyber side. He reached out to me on LinkedIn. He's like, hey, can we go to lunch? I was like, that's pretty cool. So we went to lunch. He invited me to lunch. And he was just asking me some different questions about how I got started in the business and all this kind of stuff. But one of the things that was interesting, he's like, hey, you guys are so different than any other partner that we have. He's like, you guys are like dressed different. He's like, when we go on the calls, like everything is so professional and synchronized. He's like, we really like it. Like you're on another level. And I was like, well, what do you think about the ties and all that? Cause he brought that up. He's like, I think it's awesome. Like when we get on with you guys, it's different. Yeah. And we know you guys are the best. And he's like, do you guys actually practice or something? And I was like, yeah, we role play every day. Cause it's not, it's not by accident. I mean, for you to get that good with Melinda, or, or you're probably a bad example, but let's just say a new person, like, like <laughs> Tessa. Tessa's been here for yeah, how long, right? Sure, a so, yeah. couple months. So if you were, you know, at the point you are with Tessa, if she never role played, it would take her years to get to that yeah. point. Yeah. To she get to that I, point. Yeah. Yeah, she and I are good. We're and you guys are good. But that's because you practiced, you shortened yeah. that time, you compressed time. I remember doing technology business plans with clients. It was before Fit. I was with another company and I had one customer that I was involved with that we were doing this regularly and they would do it once a quarter. It wasn't until like the second year that I felt super comfortable running that and I did the math. I'm like, well, I've only done eight because we're doing four years. So I've done eight. By the eighth one, I felt like a pro. Wow. It took me two years though. I could have practiced eight yeah. times with coaching yeah, and I could, in two yeah. months I could have been that good. Yeah, done. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, I agree. I agree. No, one of my favorite one of my favorite movies is, is Training Day, right? With Denzel yeah. Washington. But one of my favorite lines in the movie is like, you know, Denzel was taking this guy through all these paces throughout the course of the day. And like in the evening, you know, he says something to him like, You've been planning this all day? And Denzel was like, I've been planning this all week. <laughs> it was like that's I know that that's how people feel when they're working with us because we're we have a plan. Right? Yeah. We're taking them through stuff. And sometimes I even think that they think they're in control. They're like, you know, they're talking. And we're like, yeah, perfect. You, you know, they're like right in sync with what we want them to do. And then they realize like, 
wow, you've been, you've been getting me to this point the entire time. And we're like, yeah. yes. yes. You know what I mean? And this is in sales. This is in, even in the consulting with the CIS uh, standards now that we're helping people get to this point. They realize now, okay, this is not based off of nothing. We're not shooting from the hip. We have a plan. We practice. We thought about this. Uh, and I think that that makes people feel a lot more secure. They don't feel manipulated. They just feel, okay, you know, well, they're being, they're being consulted yeah. and guided. I mean, and that's what you would want if you hired a consultant. So. Yeah. And, and that makes me think about like getting everyone to that point because you might think like, okay, it only works with some customers, right? But it makes me think of when we had our, our first acquisition or merge a few years ago, maybe about four years ago or so. And there was some, or exactly, yeah. And, and some customers came over where at first glance you think, yeah, these guys aren't going to want to stick with us. We're too expensive or something, yeah. right? Um, and so a few of them were still great customers. Yeah, a few of them left, sure, but a lot of them, stayed, you know, they yeah, stayed, right? Yeah. And, and they were spending more money than they ever than they ever even thought they would on IT, right? But it's just because of what Damien's saying, right? We kind of walked them through that process yeah. to get to that point of, of realization yeah. that, wait a minute, this actually is, is great for me. Yeah, I agree 100%, yeah. So, yeah, I think, I think it's good. You know, we have a plan, we're rolling. I was going to ask you a question earlier, and I think it had to do with just... Fit has been in business for what about 10 11 years? It's gonna go on 11 years in yeah. October, yeah. If you could break it up, let's just call it like three separate quarters, right? Like three to four years each, first three years, mid three years, you know, and then like the last kind of part that we're in now. What part would you say is like the most like challenging or been the most challenging? I think the challenges are, are changing, but I noticed. The hardest there's breakpoints in businesses, so they all have breakpoints. So one of the first breakpoints is at that like one to three million dollar mark because before that you're just proving is your business or what you're selling even a viable service or product that a do customers even want this or is this just an idea, right? So you're kind of just breaking through that, uh, and then you you start having to go through these growing pains at that one to three million dollar mark that's why most never make it past that and then you hit another break point at the you know three and a half to five million dollar mark and then after that you hit another one at the eight then you hit one at the like 15 and then you hit another one at the 25 and then you know they get spaced out a little different and the problems are pretty similar for almost all businesses regardless mm -hmm. what it is what it is you could be you know being a towing company, it could be, you know, yeah. just the same, but it has to do with like, um, at different points, you know, building leadership, building metrics, build uh, technology, all these different things. And it's always the hardest, right? When you get through that break point. And that's why most businesses can't break through They, they maybe like kind of get there. There's a lot of businesses that are viable businesses. And let's just say they operate like that three and a half million. And they're trying to get through that $5 million break point. And they like go all out and one year they hit it and the owner's like, it almost killed me. I'm going through a divorce. Uh, you know, like I, I'm good. We'll go back to 3.5 was nice, right? Because they never were able to operationally and people and process and profit get past that. So we've had that pain every time we've gone through a break point. So it was always really hard at that point. And I remember, yeah, right at that, you know, 
five million dollars, maybe three and a half to five million was super hard. The the eight million was a super hard one that was transitional. Fifteen was super hard, and in between wasn't as yeah, hard. Really but at those, you, you run into some breaking points, yeah. and but that's your, when it got tough. To your credit, though, Ephraim, I, I feel like at each of those breakpoints, you've let go of something in in terms of like the things that you oversee, right? Whether yeah. it be hiring, whether it be um, training or, or something like that. Which one do you think was the hardest for you to kind of let go of um, that? Today, maybe you don't have your hands. Honestly, the, the probably the very beginning, doing doing uh, the giving up engineering was probably one of my hardest. Yeah, <laughs> right? You're like, oh, that's so silly now, yeah, right? But in the beginning, I was quality quality controlling. Yeah. I was handling big issues, like, and I had to say, hey, I can't. I, right. I literally have to get to the point that I am consciously not going to work a technical issue and I'm going to give it to someone else. Yeah. yeah. I remember those days. Even if I can fix it and it's yeah. not the inconvenience. So like it would have to be an absolute fire, roof on fire emergency to be able to handle it. Right. And so that's, but that was really hard because it, you know, a lot of times it was critical. It wasn't necessarily like the business was going to fail if I didn't do it, but it's critical to the customer. There might be client satisfaction issues. Didn't matter. I had to delegate it, and that was a per that break point that you mentioned. That was pretty early on. Yeah, that was around the three and a half five. Because you got, I, I feel like you transitioned. It. I mean, I mean, in retrospect, everything kind of seems fast, but it feels like that happened fairly early on. At this. It was. Yeah. It was definitely a lot of time. Because when you got here, was he still doing engineering? He was still doing engineering, or he would still get his hands in some stuff. I remember we did a weekend cutover, and he came that weekend, and I actually remember one particular issue. <laughs> that we had, we had this Citrix environment that we cut over to this, like this new network. And for whatever reason, like it was a pretty well organized cutover and this part was assigned to me and I couldn't figure it out. And I remember Ephraim being right behind me for about 45 minutes <laughs> while I was like clicking on stuff. And eventually like I got through it, but I was like, dang, it's pressure when your boss is like right there. Right. Uh, uh, yeah. But yeah, that was, that was My boss used to do that to yeah, me too. Yeah, I mean, but it wasn't pressure, he was just like watching. He yeah. like trying to, his brain was working yeah, exactly. too. Exactly, you, know? yeah, you were looking at, you were helping, but it was just yeah. like one of those moments I was like, you know, it was, it was hard. I, I feel like pre-pandemic was one of the tougher, because obviously I didn't know what was coming. And I just remember us doing a lot of work around that time and always feeling like, man, like things just keep happening. Like why, you know, just when I think we have it right, something would happen. And I remember pre-pandemic being pretty difficult. And then as the, and there was one customer in particular that I thought was pretty And once again, that was around the eight, just for context, yeah, that was around the eight, eight, mark. eight nine million dollar mark, yeah. And then pandemic hit and, um, you guys took me out of engineering right at, at my request, basically. And I remember thinking, okay, this is actually a pretty hard transition to get away from it because I was engineering and being, you know, like a consultant, AM. Well, I wasn't AM so much at the time. But then I feel like around the time that all hands got standardized, I really truly feel like we really found our footing. And I yeah. think that we made a lot of money during that period of time, too. Yeah. I feel like things really shot off that 2020 summer into 2021. Um, and since then, I've looked back and I'm like, okay, this is the best version of Fit that I can remember. Uh, but I definitely remember 2018, 2019, just being like, I was sweating yeah. some days. I'd be like, this is, this is tough. But it's interesting you say that because it was also a time that we were turning over a lot of team members because we were putting in, we're putting in training, we're putting in 
And people, just for context of the people that might be listening, when we say training, everybody, no one has a problem with training. Mm -hmm. It's the accountability of training. So if you say, hey, we're going to train you guys, everyone's like, yeah, that's great. But if you're like, hey, okay, you need to train every day and you're going to, we're going to report on it and you have to do certain certification by a certain time. And now it becomes, now it's a different, a different story. So, so the training, the role play, the all hands, we even like standardized things. Something as silly as like standardizing the phone script when people pick up yeah. was a big deal mm -hmm. to a lot of, a lot of engineers. They're like, oh, we're professionals. We know how to answer the phone. It's like, yeah, I know that, but not everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and number two, like if you call any well-organized company, they're very standardized That's on how they saying, yeah. answer the phone. Yeah, yeah, you would be surprised what people would say sometimes or we'd hear or overhear or people would do. And I'd be wondering, I'd be like, how do we, how do you fix a person? You know what I mean? Like, you can. Like you just don't understand what to say. Like it's not that difficult. So right. yeah, you know, by giving right. people the Core role values, play. Core values, right? That's yeah. <laughs> like give them, give them the role play, I guess. But you know, there'd be some things for sure. I'd be like, I can't believe that you said that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Just, so. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that, that was, that was a, yeah, we started talking core values, mission every day, all that stuff. A lot of people just opted out. Yeah. But the people we got in exchange are so good. Now you're just wow. Yeah, like, we got we got we got blows some, your socks off if you compare them to yeah. our old. Is it interesting that the pandemic does that though? Or not I mean the pandemic it's it's it it's indicative of anything that tests us, right? Because a lot of businesses when they encountered it, it's like, all right, well this is the end. And it was the end for, for a lot of them, unfortunately, yeah. right? But like you mentioned, Damien, it was like that pain that you were feeling or that you observed was kind of right up until the pandemic. And then after that, kind of getting tested by that fire when, you, you know, on the other side, it's Ooh, like, yeah, yeah. now, like now that things are back to normal, it's like, all right, well, this, this is easy. Kind of yeah, it's this like, yeah, yeah. nothing now. Um, yeah, I'm waiting for, and I expect to have new challenges that oh, yeah. test us and, and, and create, um, create, you know, kind of, you know, better and more problems. So I guess, okay, what's in your mind, what's next? Like not next necessarily for fit, but what's the next thing you think we're going to start having just in general with technology? What's, what problem will we solve next, right? We won't be sending people home like we were two years ago. Yeah. What do you think is going to be the next? Well, I mean, I guess everyone's going to be, whatever's happening with the economy is great. Yeah. Unknown, people are not sure. We, we kind of feel it. I'm sure we're going to come out winning and right. a lot of others are, not going to succeed and so that's opportunity for us i'd say that's going to be a challenge um, once we start getting over that you know 25 well we're already over 25 but once we go into that 30 million dollar mark i think one of the big challenges is automation and technology is a breaking point and that's i feel like we're a little bit ahead of the curve because we're a technology company but there are things where you're like, okay, are the technologies we're using now gonna get us to the next level? Or do we have to do some different things there? And then also just building more leaders. Because now it's getting to the point that leaders that are leaders are gonna have to build leaders under them and they haven't necessarily done that. Right, there's a, I'll give you an example. Our engineering is probably the best example because on the engineering side, Shane, 
was managing all of the reports. Now he has several managers under him, mm-hmm. and, but our other departments haven't necessarily done that. Right. Right. So the manager is still one-on-one managing all the leaders. Once you go up another level, it starts to break down. If you have more than, ideally it's like five reports, but if you, you maybe you do 10, you start doing more than that, it just starts to break the down. The levels, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you have to build teams that duplicate tasks yeah. and, and, and you know, if, if one person can duplicate themselves two times and then another two times in short order, you know, you're going to, you're going to be yeah. growing, you're going to be scaling yeah. and everybody's going to be doing a certain process a certain way and getting really good at it. That's, that's something that's big, big for me. One thing I felt like at fit is that, um, I wasn't ever the smartest IT guy, right? I wasn't the most technical, but I was technical enough to, to do the job or 95% of it, right? Maybe I'd had to get Curry or Sage to help with some deep, dark, you know, VM issue. But one thing I found is that uh, consulting with people was a big part of the work. So now when I'm talking to the engineers, I'm looking out for people. I'm like, okay, I'm hearing him speak. I'm hearing the way he talks to customers or I'm hearing him role play. And I'm trying to find people that can do this job that I'm doing now, right? The, basically, you know, the consulting part of it. And I think that's huge, right? That once you can start duplicating that effort yourself, if you can be technical, if you can talk to somebody, if you can, if you can make them understand what they need and, and not scare them off, mm-hmm. uh, doing that job well is super difficult. I've, I've seen so many guys who I know are smart get onto a TDP or a consulting conversation, and they sound <coughs> completely different. Yeah, and I'm like, dude, just talk to this person. It was one of the interview questions I used to ask. It's funny, I actually remember this. I asked it of an interviewer two or three years ago, who's now a VCIO, and I said, "Hey, listen, have you ever had to help one of your family members with an issue?" And he was like, "Oh no, I don't think so." I was like, "Come on, a mom, a sister, or whatever." And he was like, "Okay, yeah, 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 I helped my sister." And he explained how he helped his sister and how he talked to her. And I was like, "Okay, that's how you got to be when you're working." When you're working here, right? You got to like you're helping your family, right? Like you're totally comfortable. You know you're just looking out for them. You're just trying to do the best for them. And I felt like that moment for him really kind of resonated. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that's a, that's a good illustration. Yeah. So. I like to. One of the big thought processes that is making people's success easy, and so we used to like you guys throw you guys in the fire. New people, we're not doing that anymore. We're, we want to make their success easy, so. The way they train, the way they shadow, the way they have opportunities to learn. And when I get into role play, I'm not that easy to people on role play because I want it to be real. I want it to be real scenarios that I've faced because that's what, you know, I was forged out of fire. You guys were forged out of fire. You get forged out of fire. And if you're easy on these role plays with people, they're not equipped when they go into that scenario and they're gonna make mistakes and they're not gonna sound like professionals. So when I go in the role play room and I've instructed everyone, always pick either the new person or the weakest person. Don't pick Damien, don't pick Melinda, don't pick David, like those type of people. Pick literally the new person or the person that's gonna struggle the most because they're gonna be the weak player and you're gonna want them to figure out how to be successful when they're in front of the customer in a real heated situation. Yeah. It's like Fight Club. If it's your first it's time true. to Fight Club, you, you must have to fight, fight. <laughs> right? Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. Yeah, no, there's a lot of opportunity, man. Like, people don't realize that when we do these TVPs, 
all the project tickets that come off of that, like, I mean, there's labor involved, and these guys can earn commission off of it. And I try to explain it. I'm like, listen, all these tickets on the board, I can fill them out for you. I'll send in those quotes. And I was like, and if it's a, like, I just did a 20 hour, I mean, a $20,000 project, I just sold it. Well, I'll get commissioned off of it. I was like, it could have been any one of you guys. You know what I mean? Anybody, it could have been yours. Exactly. It could have been yours. Anybody who was on this call could have taken this and been like, I'm going to run with it. Um, so you try to help people to understand that because you do want to give them some kind of impetus to improve, not just, you know, listen, I'm role playing to, to get past effort for right now. Yeah. Uh, but you want them to do a good job. You want them to feel like, okay, you know, my efforts will be rewarded. So we're doing a good job at that. Yeah. Uh, uh, I want them to role play to get past a guy like Steve or Alex or, you know, oh, yeah. not just get yeah. past him, like have him, have him impressed to be like, right. I want to work with this yeah, person. Get that person's respect. I think, man, that's a hard, can it, we talk about that for a minute? Like, yeah. Getting the respect <laughs> of customers, it's, dude, it's one of those things that's so hard and then you can lose it so quickly, but there's a couple of customers that we have. Steve, obviously, not giving any last names would be one. Uh, I would say uh, another guy I work with. Terry, I really had to work hard to get his respect. Yep. Um, and once I got it, I'm like, all right, cause it's like a little baby. I'm like, let me just carry this around. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, don't lose the respect from this person. And honestly, the role plays help because when I would have previously just said whatever came to mind for me, I'm like, no, actually, there's a method to the madness. Right. Yeah, and you, I, I role played. Um, we have an engineer. He came from the Midwest team. And when you talk to him, he's really jolly, really nice, really good. Like it's someone you'd like to enjoy and to be around, right? But once he got into the role play and we started doing, you know, consult to me on recovery time objective, break it down so I understand, so I can make a good decision. And he starts getting in there and I was like, man, this is, <laughs> this is rough. But that's okay because I was rough. You guys were rough. Everyone was rough. And, but he wasn't ready. We couldn't put him in front of an Alex and him be yeah. successful. And then he would, we want him to, but I know he can with training, right? He had it in him. He just needed that practice. And probably a few more sessions, he's going to feel super confident. Then we could put him in front of Alex. We did that with our pen tester too because. The previous pen tester we had was so great. She was so amazing. So great. So, yeah. so amazing. She left. Uh, yeah. Got a new pen tester. Technically, he was good, but customers were like, this is not the same experience we had. And I almost thought he wasn't going to make it. Yeah. And, he does and Rudy was like, yeah, you're being so hard on him. It's like, bro, <laughs> he, I'm not being hard on him. And when I say hard on him, I'm not yelling at him or anything. I'm like making him role play do it again do it again stop right. pause redo do it again like because he had no problem pen testing he has no that, problem yeah yeah doing the yeah he's, he was always really good and he would that wasn't the, yeah but the, the problem is you get to the delivery exactly. and you got to integrate with it yeah, yeah help the decision maker not feel defensive help them see what's wrong help yeah. them figure out how to make it a, 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 a decision on how to fix it so they don't have a data breach there's nuances and also, the other big thing was where we've gone wrong a lot of times in the past is not asking what they're expecting, what a good pen test looks like, if they've had one before, what did they like about it, what did they not like about it, um, if they've never done it, why are they doing it for the first time, what is the ideal outcome at the end of this penetration test, 
What do they want to see? How do they want to be communicated with? Right? None of those questions were getting asked. It goes off the rails. They're working really hard. They think they're doing a, a, a good job, but they just missed one thing. I'll give you an example. We had a, a law firm client and we, won't, we got the contract for the pen test and I started asking those, because I've already been burnt, I know to ask those questions. And I said, hey, what was it about the, why didn't you do it with the, because I know they didn't pen testing before, why didn't you do it again with the previous vendor? Well, you know, they made us look really poorly because uh, they gave all these, these issues we have, but it wasn't fair because I gave them access to the internal part of the network. Mm and it wasn't a fair assessment from someone from the outside. And so I said, well, yeah, that's a really good point. I'm with you. We would never want to do that. But let me ask you a question. Do you want to know what the internal vulnerabilities are? Well, yeah, I want to know so I can fix them. So the more we started asking questions, we realized, well, the, the issue wasn't that they did internal pen testing. And the issue was that they just, put it all together so presentation decision makers made them look really bad. Right. I said, well, why don't we do this? Why don't we create two reports? We do the external report with all the findings from someone trying to get in from the outside, and then we do the internal report. You gave us access, but then you know things that if someone got inside, what they could do, you can tighten that up. Yeah, that's great, perfect. Create two reports, problem solved. Yeah. But we would have went down the exact same road, give them one big report, and they would have been unhappy. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Because the other guys probably would have been okay had they just asked a couple right. of questions. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. just, yeah, like that's something we learned in the training, right? Just figure out what's important to the person, like a car salesman. If the person says, hey, I, I got a big family, I need, I need something spacious enough. Like he's telling you how to sell so, Exactly. Right? And, and, all right, cool. Thanks for telling yeah. me that. But have you seen the tires on this car? Like, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's like, like oh, well, let's look well, at the third row seats. Let's well, talk had, about that. I had that in my training. In my training today, I was taught, it was about fact finding. And you kind of forget. You're like, listen, just ask for the answers to the test. People want... They want you to do well, yeah. and they, they want to get what they want to get. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, like they want to get it. They wanted. They want you to do well. They're not meeting with you so they can hopefully turn you down. They would like you to be able to deliver. That's the why they're talking. They need exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I mean, that's 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 key. Like, um, just asking simple, simple questions. So yeah, and, and also that going back a little bit to the point about like how we even got there because of the training and everything. I think to be clear, most of the people that come on board are rarely the finished products when it comes to presenting things, right? But that, no one's, yeah, no one's the finished product. Yeah, and, and that's the thing that maybe shouldn't intimidate people that are ever considering on, you know, joining the, the Fit Team is like, you know, nobody's a finished product, like you said yourself, Ephraim, like you have to learn, I have to learn, Damien has to learn. We all have to learn at, at some point, but that, that's kind of where the core values really comes out. Like, how committed are you to following the process that we're gonna we're gonna lay down. Because if you just follow the steps, you'll be successful, right? And and if if you follow the steps and, and you're still not successful, then that's on us, right? right. And we need to adjust the, the right. steps. That's yeah. good, that's a great concept. Yeah. yeah, just make it easy. The more you can show them exactly how to be successful by someone that's already done it. And they're gonna work way harder because if they know I take these steps and this is how I'll be successful, it's a, that's a big impact. Yeah, yeah. 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 Having, having, it, having it drawn out for you is pretty, to me I like it because now when I do a sales process, I know exactly what part I'm in. I'm never lost, I'm never confused about what I should be doing. I 
nobody has said anything that I wasn't already prepared for. You know what I mean? Like we've trained on it so many times. There hasn't been a single question that I'm just like, oh my gosh, wasn't expecting that. Like, you know, yeah. shut down the laptop and, you know, call them back. It's always like, okay, I've been prepared for this. I know what questions to ask. It's a powerful feeling. And you'll use that for the rest of your life, whether it's Fit Solutions or you start your own company or you go somewhere else or yeah. in your marriage even, you know, raising your, even raising my kids. I use the agreement drill on my kids all the time to the point where they don't want ice cream. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, can I get some ice cream? I'm like, yes, you can have some ice cream, but you can only have one. You want to go to a party today. You want it at the party or you want it now? I want it at the party. I said, do you want it now? No. All right, let's get out of here. Yeah. And it's just like, so, you know, it just kind of like one, it just works. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. And also like the, in the Cardinal training, I like how Grant Cardone puts it. It's like there is literally a finite number of responses that someone can yeah. give you on yeah, any sort of yeah. customer interaction. Like, when, and if you do come across a new one, write them down. Just write them all down. And then as you start writing them all down, you realize that they just start repeating themselves. So, yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's super, super rare if someone asks something that's outside of, right. of that. And if there is, then you just adjust your training yeah, to hang out for that. I'm with you. Appreciate it, guys. I'm